0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Sometimes this is the one you can argue the most passionately about, and it's the one that sometimes actually takes the person across the line into faith in Christ. And what I mean by subjective reasoning is simply this. I might not be able to give you all the little facts about archaeology and all the different tells and all the different mounds and all the different cities. I might not be able to give you all the prophecies, chapter and verse. I certainly may not be able to give you all the science. But I can tell you this. Listen, 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 listen. Jesus Christ, this Word, works in my life. You can take all the rest of the stuff away, but you'll never take away the faith I have in Jesus Christ. Answers to prayer, peace, absolute guilt. Watch this. I don't know. How, I, this is a man thing, I think. But how many times I've lost my keys? I've had extra sets made just so when I do, so I don't have to tell Carol. So I, I, I But when I find my keys, you know what's so interesting is I don't keep looking any longer. Did you hear what I just said? When you lose something, you can't find it. When you find it, you don't look any longer. I remember as a 16-year-old kid growing up, I was looking, how do I get to heaven? What do I need to do? Fearful of death. And finally I cried out, Oh God, whatever it is, show me how I can go to heaven when I die. Not a month later, that prayer was answered. I trusted Christ as my Savior. The fear factor was gone. The guilt was gone. A whole new life with Christ began. And I wouldn't trade a minute of it except for the times that I didn't walk with the Lord when I could have and should have. But it wasn't his fault. So, you need to be properly prepared. And it's not that difficult to do. And I pray that each one of you realize that there's a lot out there today to help you to become that properly prepared. So, if Christianity has worked in your life, maybe that's your only argument right now. But it will work. Let's look at number three. Let your gentleness be genuinely communicated. I really like it. We start out with being focused. And then you've got to be prepared. But once you're prepared, you're ready to deliver it. And when you do it, let your gentleness be genuinely communicated. Communicated. Look at the verse, the end of verse 15 and 16. It says, Yet do it. What? Make your hope known. Defend your faith. That's like making your hope known. With gentleness and respect. If this is your Bible, would you circle the word gentleness and respect? Those aren't difficult to do. And having a good conscience so that when they slander you, and those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. But really circle the word gentleness and respect. What I'd like you to do is um I don't think you're doing this, but in case there's some of you that might, you might look at some of the senior saints that are here, the mature Christians that seem to be talking a lot about soul winning. They quickly engage someone about the gospel. They've led someone to the Lord. They talk about it a lot. And all of a sudden, you think that their style is what did it. So some of you might look for those that are really dynamic in their personalities, sanguine, high-eye personalities, or those that are really... uh, uh, um, maybe outgoing or have an ability to really spin a phrase or something, and you think, I've got to be like them in order to get out the gospel, so that's going to be for them and not for me. I I really want you to know that that's not it. God will use whatever personality. My personality will attract some people, and my personality will repel a lot more sometimes. And so it's not so much about your personality. What it is about is what that verse says. Gentleness. It's not about being outgoing or not outgoing or people-oriented or task-oriented or intelligent or not intelligent or having a Bible college education or not. It just says, whoever you are, you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind and you really do love your neighbor and you want to reach them, then just do it with gentleness. Just do it with a little bit of respectability. They're another human being. You say, yeah, but they're lost and they're ugly. They're mean. They're nasty. Let me just tell you, that's how we were before we trusted Christ in our own way. Do I hear an amen on that? We were like that. And some of us maybe sometimes come back to that. I don't know. But my simple point is this. We can all do it with a very gentle way. How do you know that you have an attitude of gentleness? Well, a couple of the ways might be that, you know, the words of Christ when we speak could be more prominent than ourselves. We'll give more scripture than ourselves. I think one way that you'll know if you've got the right attitude, and it's, I'll give you the points in a moment, but is that when that unsaved person who generally is very reluctant to even get around Christians, let alone Christ. When you do engage them in a conversation about making your hope known to them, at the end of that conversation, they walk away and they say, wow, I've never, never, I've never met a Christian like that who was kind and caring and thoughtful and let me talk and asked my questions and was honest with me and had some answers for me that cared for me, that was tender when I spoke. That will tell you that you don't need a razzle-dazzle personality or a long pedigree of how many Bible classes you've been to, although all that is helpful, but your confidence is going to be in the Lord and your own ability is simply gentleness. And by the way, that's not difficult because that's fruit of the Spirit. That's His gentleness inside of you let loose. That's all that it is, and you can be that. Anybody that's a Christian can be that, no matter how old you are. But what might be a couple of those that you'll keep in mind? Number one... If you are this way, gentle and respectful, people will be ashamed that they thought something bad about you. I guess one of the things I'm hoping that our church will do is that we will engage the culture. We won't just have all the kind of parties and stuff for them. That's important too. We're not only going to have all the, the signage that we would like to have, and that's important too, but that the world will see us differently because we've lived a gentle life, and all of a sudden we begin to quiet them down because they meant an authentic, genuine card-carrying, gentle, respectful Christian who is willing to make their hope known. Here's the second one. People are actually drawn to God. Now I'm going to read a verse to you now, but this is coming from a chapter that we've already studied. They're actually drawn to, to God. Listen, it goes like this. Live such good lives, such gentle, respectful lives. Let me pause for a moment. The gentle and respectful found twice in one book. So you can imagine what was going on in Peter's life. He's probably reminded of the times he wasn't so gentle when he spoke. He really didn't show as much respect when he cut somebody's ear off, okay? And so all of a sudden, the Spirit of God took over him, and he owned what we're teaching about today. And so he now knows that gentleness and respectfulness will do more for the kingdom building and making our hope known than anything else. And here's what he said. Live such good lives, such gentle, respectful lives among people that even though they might insult you at first, they're going to turn around. And they're going to praise God and glorify God on the day he visits. And that might happen. Well, folks, maybe to help you see this, I'd like to introduce someone that's here today. Maybe this little dramedy might be helpful. And so let's welcome today to our church service our very own Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil, would you come and help illustrate this for us? Will you do that?
2: Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Phil, and this is the Dr. Phil Show. Our topic today is Making Your Hope Known. Some of us don't like to do it. Some of us get kind of scared. We don't know what to do. The opposing viewpoint is it doesn't matter what you've got to do. Just get them in there, even if it turns somebody off. Two opposing viewpoints. My guest today, Ms. Jane Doe, a believer. She wanted to remain anonymous. And of course, you all know the master of sales, Mr. Donald Trump. Ms. Doe, (laughs) Mr. Trump, welcome to the show. Ms. Doe, let's start with you. Can you tell us what it's like to be a believer but be scared to share?
0: No comment.
2: Mr. Trump? Here's the thing. It's pretty sad, see? I've been in, 20, in, in Hawaii 24 hours now. Not one person has come up to me and said, do you know Jesus loves you? That's discouraging to me. In that same 24-hour period, I've led 86 people to the Lord. Unbelievable, isn't it? You know how I do it? I walk up to them. I said, hello, my name's Donald Trump. Do you know the Lord? And if they say no, well, then I get kind of aggressive with them, and then whack them over the head with this a couple of times. Well, that's a very interesting technique, Mr. Trump. But what you're saying and doing is kind of contradicting the Bible. Doesn't it say in the book of Romans how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? There's nothing beautiful about getting hit over the head, and nothing beautiful about being scared. Are these the only two approaches, Ms. Doe?
0: No comment.
2: Mr. Trump? Phil, you've never seen my feet. You don't know if they're beautiful or not. <laughs> Here's the thing it's all about the numbers. If I give you $1,000 and you take it, you have an abundance of a gift. Why not take it and give some of it away? Well, that's a very valid point. Sharing is good. But I only agree with half of what you say. I don't really agree with the numbers thing. But, Ms. Doe, let's go back to you. Sharing is good. Can you tell us why you're scared to share the hope that you have in your heart?
0: Well, if I share my faith, then then people will start asking questions. And, well, I don't know the Bible well enough to answer them. And you see, my lifestyle doesn't really match up to those answers. It's just not popular to share Jesus nowadays. So the best thing that I've found is to remain, well... Quiet.
2: Well, I think God can use us wherever we are. If we do the possible, God can do the impossible. And without hitting anybody over the head. What do you think, Mr. Trump?
1: No comment. <laughs> well, I think you actually saw two opposite ends of sharing the faith. One is very aggressive and one sometimes is way too quiet. And all you need to do is to find out pretty much where are you, where that you could be, some of you that are needing to be a little bit more assertive in your faith, where you might be able to be more assertive with people, because you have that hope and it should excite you. And those of you that are really kind of almost hitting people over the head, maybe not back down on your assertiveness and reach people for Christ, maybe just back down on your aggressiveness In reaching people for Christ well we've learned a couple of things being properly focused we learned about being adequately prepared and genuinely communicating the gospel but there's one last point and that is we need to make sure your confidence is courageously maintained that's right because some of you you might say okay I get real excited but after the first few times that you have someone come against you you begin to clam up again and say ooh I've had a bad experience Now, I think there are enough of you that have been involved in sales and marketing and been to enough seminars that probably told you that if you're a a salesman and you go out to 10 customers, generally, out of the 10 people you go to, you'll make a sale with two of them and the other eight you won't. But isn't it odd, though, how that Satan often will try to get us down by having the first eight that we try to reach say, I don't want that, so we never get to nine and ten, which would be the two that would. And so just by the law of averages, you just share your faith, you share it out in a way that tells other people, I have hope in Christ, and I'll tell you, you will start seeing results. But you have to maintain that level of commitment as well. And so I think if we do that, it'll be a great, great challenge for us. But at the same time, what we're going to do is we're going to start seeing some differences. Would you follow along in the verse that I have there for you? It's a little bit longer verse, but I'm going to make some sense out of it for you to show you how that you can make your, your, your confidence courageously maintained. Here's what it says. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. See, he does the work. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he, Christ, went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now that is a very rich passage of Scripture. But I want to keep us on our topic today, and that is making our hope known. Some of you are listening to this, and maybe in your heart you're saying, you know, Pastor, that is good. Yeah, but. Yeah, but I can't do this. Yeah, but I've already burned a lot of relationships already. Yeah, but I still don't know enough. Yeah, but I want to, but I don't know how to do it. Let me just say this. When Peter was saying that, He probably could look at other people and say, Yeah, but, but I'm going to give you a yeah, but. Yeah, but Noah. Now, I want you to think for a moment, because Noah could be very much like us. The only difference was, while the earth wasn't as populated as it is today, at the same time, Noah was the only believer in God, in the Lord Jehovah, at that time. Now, think about that with me for a moment. How would you like to be the only person in the world that's a Christian? And yet God says to you, build an ark because there's going to be water. No one's seen an ark, no one has seen a flood, and yet you need to speak righteousness to a people that are highly unrighteous and that's why they're going to be wiped out. Now let's forget about the world. Let's think about the island. Let's say this island had a million people on it, but you were the only Christian. Let's forget about the island. Let's just think for a moment, your neighborhood or your school or your club or your committee or your team, that you're the only person there and in a sense you might be the only Christian. Now, think with me for a moment. In that passage, you talked about the Lord doing this. Well, how could He do it? Because the Lord didn't come to the earth at that time. So in a way, He was subliminally there. When Noah was speaking, it was as if the Lord was speaking to them because He was speaking the words of the Lord to those people. The difference then is, than it is now, is simply this. When you trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says, Christ is now in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit, God, is now within us, which wasn't in, wasn't in Noah. So now we really have Christ in us. Where Noah had kind of the Lord there in essence, we have the Lord personally with us. So now I look at Noah as my example of maintaining my courage in sharing the gospel. Here's three ways to look at it. First of all, if Noah had Christ with him, so do we. So I want you to know the Lord did not give you a command from some headquarters and He stays in some place without Him already knowing what persecution is all about and without Him being there with you in the midst of whatever you're going to go through. How beautiful that is. Just think, you trusted Christ as Savior, it's like your pilot light went on. When you surrender to the Lord as the Lord of your life as a Christian now, it's like igniting those power, that pilot light into afterburners for the Lord. And some of you... Maybe you're at that, I've got the pilot light, but I haven't yielded to the Lord so I can now ignite my afterburners for the Lord. So just remember, just as he was with Christ uh, with Noah, Christ is with you and me. Number two, if Noah didn't have to produce results, neither do we. All Noah had to do was to obey what the Lord told him to do. He didn't have to make another person become a believer in the Lord. All he had to do was present the message. Obviously he had to build the ark too, but with those things going on, he didn't have to make those people come to know the Lord. And we know how long he was out there doing it. So let me just back off a little bit. I like what was said in that little dramedy over here. It's not about the numbers. Oh, we'd like to have more people come to know the Lord. We don't set up any particular number goals here. But we'd like to see more people come to know the Lord. But it's not about the numbers because we can't control that. So it's all about the Lord getting this done. Not us having to do this thing. So we trust in Him. Our job is to do the possible. We do the speaking. It's God's job to do the impossible. He does the saving. So just keep that in mind. And then number three, it's this. If Noah could handle the insults and the persecution, so can we. If Noah could handle the insults and the persecution, so can we. Now, I don't know if you could maybe even think about what it was like. Here he is talking to these people who are so non and anti-God, and he's telling them about the Lord. At the same time, he's building an ark that they have never seen any probably human boat like this. Then he's telling them that there's going to be a huge flood. Can you imagine this information that was absolutely coming against their mindset all the time, and then telling them to be prepared to meet God? All that that was going on that he went through, and all we have to do is share the faith. And as I look at it, take a moment with me right now. Look at the people around this room. Just just look around. Look at all the people in the room. Look. Just look. Let's look. They're your brothers and sisters. You're not alone. Every time you go out and you share the gospel, someone could be praying for you, someone knows what you're going through. You're in a faith community. here. You're, you're in a community of the redeemed, we could call it. It's beautiful. Well, I hope that today might have really helped you. I'd like to end with one little story. And it goes like this. I don't know how true it is, but I have picked it up at various sources, so it might be. Years ago, there was a teacher in a classroom and they had gone through the year and they were going to have a time for the students to come up and share what the most exciting experience, what means the most to them person or thing or an event, what meant the most to them and so different ones got sharing and at the end of it there was one kid that kind of hung back until the teacher said hey Mickey come on up here you didn't share why don't you share so he gets up there and the kids were a little excited because they kind of knew what Mickey's favorite was and by the way, I wanted you to know that that wasn't his real name. His real name was Steve. But long ago, way before those kids ever knew, he changed his name from Steve to Mickey. And so he got up there in front of the class there. And he began to tell them about who meant the most to him. His hero was not Mickey Mantle. His hero was Mickey Mouse. So he began to show his little display and talk about the Mickey Mouse cap that he had, the Mickey Mouse clothes that he had, The Mickey Mouse toothpaste, toothpaste toothbrush container that meant to him. The Mickey Mouse doll that he had. The Mickey Mouse harmonica that he had. He even held up out of a bag Mickey Mouse underwear that he had. And then he pulled out that which meant the most to him. He even had a Mickey Mouse fishing bobber that had Mickey Mouse all over this. And the kids were so excited. Where did you get that? And he kept telling about all these different places. He said, and did you know this? That there was a, a dairy farmer that had this cow and it was a white cow with black splotches on it and those black splotches looked just like Mickey Mouse's ears and they took a picture of it and the cow sold for a million dollars and everybody was so impressed with what he had and then afterwards the teacher said you know Mickey how did you, you know, get involved with this Mickey Mouse thing and this is what makes the story so tragic he said um, a few years ago when I was in elementary school no one really liked me. I hated to go to school. They made fun out of me. So I, I went home. And I just decided I'm not going to school any longer. I was so depressed and so lonely. And I saw on TV about Mickey Mouse. And all of a sudden, I, he was a lot of happiness around Mickey. And so from then on, I just fell in love with Mickey. And so my whole life is Mickey Mouse now because he's my friend. He's everything that gives me joy and a sense of purpose and being. Now, this is not in the story, and I hope this won't offend anyone the real tragedy is is this when Mickey I should say Steve a.k.a. Mickey dies he will not go to the magic kingdom he's gonna go to eternity separated from God in a real place called hell and I wonder how many of us are holding up our bobbers and our bobbers happen to be a car or clothes or a job or a house or a toy or a sporting good or something that we might have, something that has taken over. and I, I'm not here to put anybody on a guilt trip. I'm just trying to paint a picture that if Jesus Christ means so much to us, wouldn't we want to, aka, it's all about Jesus. And for some of you, it is only about Jesus for you to go to heaven. And so all you have to do is to come to him and say, Lord, I am lost, I am without hope. I want to be assured of going to heaven. I want, I want that peace that only... You can give me that I hear other Christians have. And so simply say, Lord, I'm coming to you, a broken individual, knowing that my good works will never get me there, but your forgiveness will. And you said, if I believe that you are the Lord who died for me, then I'm trusting in you, or you alone for the forgiveness of my sin. I promise you, my friend, on the authority of God's word, he that believes on him, Christ, is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already. And if you believe, you could know you have eternal life. And there's a room full of people that would spend as long as it would take to tell you Jesus makes the difference. And for those of you that are Christians, in what way will you make your hope known? Maybe for some of you, it's inviting people to a meeting where the gospel is given. Maybe for some of you, inviting kids to a water where it will be given every week. Maybe for some of you, it's passing out of track a little bit. Maybe for some of you, it's simply inviting people every day with whom you work, bring them to church to hear the message and let God's word change their heart because you are passionate about making your hope known. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This is an opportunity for you to really rest upon Jesus Christ. For in Christ is all hope. He said He would die. He said He would rise again from the dead and He did all of that. He conquered death, sin, Satan. He was seen of people after He rose again from the dead so it's been validated by witnesses so it's truth. And so everything about Christ is truth because He is the truth. And He says to you if you have eternal life you have a home in heaven and that is your hope. sins forgiven and an eternal relationship with me. But you must do the believing. I did the pain for your sin part. You must do the believing now. That's your part. Would you now call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior? It's not believing and behaving that gets you into heaven. It's just believing. So if today you're trusting Christ to be your Savior, and you'd like for me to pray for you, with no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you to heaven. I know that. You know that. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable if you don't feel comfortable raising your hand. So don't. But for those of you that are in your heart, you're saying, but, but I want to connect with you, Pastor. I want you to know that something's happening right now because I'm trusting Christ. I've got hope now I've never had before. I know that my sins are forgiven. I have a home in heaven. You don't have to tell me that out loud, but I just want to know if today is the day you called upon the Lord and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Put it up, put it down. Put it up, put it down. All right, Christians, how many of you, the Lord was speaking to you will be, to be a little bit more assertive in your evangelism, making your hope known? Not aggressive, but just assertive. Just sharing one satisfied customer to another person so they can become a satisfied customer. Your personal testimony, your reason for trusting in Christ, and you'd like for me to pray for you because you're going to be more alert to opportunities for why you've been left on this earth. Because you want to make your hope known. Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Our Father in heaven, I pray that our church would continue doing what we're doing by providing quality events that people can come to and not be ashamed for their friends to see it and participate where the gospel is given. That we would have quality literature and other means to communicate the gospel. But at the same time, we'd take it up a notch in our own personal witnessing and inviting people to hear the gospel. And so that, Father, that we will not just rely upon the things of man, but we rely upon your precious message. For, Father, you said to go on all the world and preach the gospel. And that's what we want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.